Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Known to Ramble. This week, we're back after a week off to talk about the latest Marvel release, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This is a spoiler-filled episode, so you have officially been warned. We go through scene by scene and talk about how this movie teaches us to cope with the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. It's a full look at the full movie, Wakanda Forever. So as always, thank you for stopping by and joining us here on Known to Rim. Welcome back to Known to Ramble, uh, Josh. We have we kind of took a hey, uh, uh, how do you put the word a hiatus <laughs> for a week there. I I think it's more uh, my my fault there. I I did go up to Minneapolis for a film festival, so you were, I, you were traveling. I was traveling. I and I couldn't make it back. I I tried to make it over here early, but that was not going to be possible. So it happens. It happens. So it's. And I will say, it's the first week we've missed at, in 15 or 16 weeks. Yeah. A quarter of a year, we've only missed once. Could be worse for our many listeners Oh, it could out be there. much worse. We thought about much worse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I wanted to ask you some questions to get some some banter rolling like we, we were on previous chit chats. And uh, I think it's a good thing. I, I want to ask you some questions. It's been so long. I missed you. I, I missed you too. Now... What you got for me? So, uh, don't look at my sheet, fool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, we did just get to see Black Panther, and we're going to talk a lot about that during this podcast. And I took my uh, nephew, who you guys have met, you and Katrina, a couple times, have hung out with Jamez, a.k.a. James. Very cool kid. Um, He was wearing his cool Black Panther uh, shirt. I was honestly jealous of it. I know, it's cool. It really is. It's a very good design. I think it glows in the dark. Yeah, I don't know. It's magical. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm sure he's got secret powers. He, <laughs> he doesn't have those wings that uh, our boy uh, Namor had, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's true. So he asked me every time I take him to see a, like a Marvel film, who is your favorite character? And I asked him the same thing. So I'm going to throw that to you. Of the new Black Panther movie, if you could only pick one character to give a shout out to, who are you shouting out? Ooh, that's tough. It's very um, tough. There's a lot of good parts and moments. I think I think I got to give a shout out to uh Namor <laughs> as he says it, Namor. <laughs> no. Um yeah, he he was great in this film. Uh the the choice I, I that I'm kind of battling between him, between him and is also Riri Williams. Riri Riri Williams, that's going to be so hard to say fast. Uh she brought a lot to this film. She brought um, a very, very cool uh, kind of like atmosphere and vibe about it. And I'm really excited now for uh, Ironheart, the TV show, to dive more into her. Because with her kind of being at MIT and everything, I think there's a lot more to the backstory of how she got there. And I'm excited to see that play out. She's definitely going to become, I think, a major part of of marvel phase five and six i think we talked about it when we were doing our phase four look at 
uh, we brought her up then. This was previous to seeing this film, obviously. And I think the hype was there, but seeing her on screen, seeing how much she worked well with the other actors, especially um, Shuri, Letitia Wright, I love them in this film, even though the yo comment got me a little too twice. I was, I looked at James, I was like, is that cool? And he's like, no. And I was like, oh, that's tough. Uh, but I, I, I thought she was great. I think, I think Ryan Coogler has a weird affinity for finding talent in every movie. He has someone that he finds. Funny story about her. She actually was, she um, auditioned for, the role of Shuri for the first movie. This I read is crazy. That. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. That Because uh, that's back in 2017. I mean... That would have been like probably 2016. Yeah. So yeah, if... I mean, she's obviously older than... She acts like she is 19, I think. But... Um, Letitia Wright's not that old. Exactly. So they were both like... Well, here. We got it right here. I'm trying to look it up. We're on the internet, folks. Yeah. We got the internet. But uh, yeah, she did try an audition for it. And so that I think that's pretty cool that they saw the... They saw the potential in her and they brought her back for that role because she was great in it. And um, But yeah, we'll get into some more Namor. But he was your pick. I think so. He was awesome. He was. He was He was as diabolical as I'd hoped. I didn't know if they were going to make him a little too not as con- confrontational. They went beyond that. <laughs> he's, But he's not He's not really villainous. It's, it's no, more no. anti-hero. It, if, yeah, it, he's doing f- for his people the correct thing. 100%. I, like I don't think he's wrong in anything he says either. And his threats are done as rationales for other things. Like, I don't think he's threatening people because they don't... The, the, the rationale in his mind makes sense. Like the killing of, of Riri is in his mind, makes total sense. And it's hard not to argue it's the safety of his people. But, yeah, he did cause a lot of problems. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, so my other question is not Black Panther related. We're going to switch it up. Okay. This is Thanksgiving week, my friend. Oh, I'm excited. I can't wait. So I'm a big stuffing kid. I love cranberries and cranberry sauce. But I'm curious. Josh, what is your one go-to Thanksgiving food of choice? Um, you definitely kind of just stole it. I love stuffing. It's totally my favorite thing about Thanksgiving. I also am a big cranberries guy. So do I, we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> um, if I so if I had to go with one that you did not mention, I would say it would probably be. I'm a pie guy, so it's really nice to get pie. Uh, <laughs> I want to make a joke. Just <laughs> don't do don't laugh know. about okay. my. I have affinity. he likes pies, guys. I have an affinity for pie. When I was a kid, I used to like want birthday pie versus birthday cake in some situations. I could see so, it. I could see it. I'm not uh, a big cake guy, so I get it. I would say I really love pecan. Pecan's delicious. Pecan pie is awesome. So anytime around Thanksgiving, I can get a good, a good pecan pie. <laughs> I'm down. I'm. I'm. I think I'm falling more in love with you, my friend. I, that's pecan's my favorite. Like of all the pies, I'm not a huge pumpkin. <laughs> I'm certainly not. Apple pie is classic, but like I'd rather go cherry or raspberry or blueberry. And that's blueberry. not Thanksgiving to me. No, that's, no. That's more like. Pecan and pumpkin. That's right. For sure. And I'm a cherry pie guy too. So I'm with you. Cheer- yeah. Good song. Good food. Not good song. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So yeah. That, you I want think, me to ask any other questions or are we done with this? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good with that. I think I'm ex- that's because I'm excited to jump into this film. We just. I saw it for the second time with you, um, me and 
the wife you went and saw it a week before i think a day um, of release or next day right we thursday. saw it the thursday night so yeah, yeah, yeah the release night or whatever so that's usually how we do the marvel thing so can i ask where you saw it like what type of theater uh we saw it in cinemark plano so uh not xd though no but still big big room big room it was a good screen all that packed uh yeah there were there were actually a few empty seats but there was there was like a big old party behind us and they were <laughs> they were having a blast <laughs> i was so. curious because we didn't have as big or vibrant a crowd but we were in the angelica that i knew wasn't going to have that yeah it was a more intimate atmosphere yeah if you will. which for this marvel it was nice it was I needed it. so yeah. i think uh we're going to take a quick break and we're going to jump into possibly the best phase four movie Possibly? Question mark? Maybe. We'll find out together. All right, Gotti. So I think it's easy to say we could just start out. I loved this movie. I really, really enjoyed it. I know I say that about our all Marvel movies, but this one was a very, very different experience. It seemed like it had a purpose. It had a, a, a reason for why Ryan Coogler made it the way he did. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think there's really a flaw. In, in other films, I think there are moments or flaws in the film where you can replace them or change them. There's nothing I saw in this film where I'd be like, we got to change that. It's not right. It's not correct. I agreed and was moved multiple times throughout. And not just because it was about Chadwick, but I think we grow to really care for Shuri and um, all of these Wakandans especially. I think we really grow uh, fond of these women in particular. And I, as far as the, the turn of... Uh, Namor, not Neymar, uh, is is such a fascinating thing. And if you you take another film that's out around the same time, Black Adam, there are two films to look at for blockbuster superhero films. One, the way you don't do it, and one, the way you should do it. Yeah, I haven't seen Black Adam, so I can't comment, but that's I'm definitely waiting for that to come to HBO Max. I honestly <laughs> would recommend that. I would not spend a dollar on that film. I would pay money again to see... Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever and you know me I don't pay for movies Scotty doesn't pay for movies so that's that's high praise um, I was impressed. it's one of the best ever Marvel movies ever I think so oh 100% I was blown away by the way that they coached us through grief like they definitely took us through all the different stages we got to see how every character dealt with it in a different way, 100%, which I thought was beautiful because that's like, that's 100% life. Um, you know, everybody's had somebody who's meant a lot to them pass away and how you react and how you cope with that. Uh, sometimes is healthy. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, um, you know, in a productive manner. Sometimes it's not. And I thought we got to see all stages of that through all of these characters. Um, you know, the movie kind of opens in a, in a very, very cool way. Cause, uh, it starts out with Shuri saying a prayer to Bost. And if we've learned anything throughout the first couple of movies, it's that Shuri scoffs at tradition. Shuri's not 
religious. Sure, he's uh, very, very, you know, she's a scientist. Hundred percent technology is what what she believes in is what she thinks will save save her brother. But she takes this moment in a critical time of while T'Challa is dying to uh, say a prayer to Boss that if she will heal or help her, you know, figure out how to heal her brother. You know, she'll never question it again, basically. And I thought that was a powerful moment, too, because, like, how many times in grief are you just kind of reaching out and searching for anything? And to start with that moment, I thought was so powerful. Like, you go from watching, you know, trailers and everything, and it goes completely black for about, you know, I would say they give you, like, five or six seconds of complete black screen just to kind of make you realize, okay, something's about to happen. And then you hear Shuri just say, bust. And... All of a sudden, you know, everything's going down. Um, she's She immediately then runs into the lab. She's working as hard as she can. She kicks everybody out of the lab. The whole goal that we kind of see is that she's trying to recreate the heart-shaped herb uh, to, you know, maybe that um, this new, may, maybe if she can recreate the heart-shaped herb, they can take his powers away, give them back to him, and kind of give him the, uh, you know, immunity again. Um, that's just kind of what we've been told. Uh, I don't know why he wouldn't already have the immunity as far as the story goes, but they they did a really good job of making sure that the death of T'Challa isn't something sinister that we're now having to avenge or look into. They're not using it as some kind of story trope. They they then take it and they give him a beautiful put to rest so that you're not wondering, you know, how did he die, any of this. We kind of get it the same way that we got it you know, via Twitter that Chadwick passed away with something that no one really knew and saw coming. And sure even mentions at one point, she says, by the time my brother told me that he needed my help, it was too late. And so, yes, just from the moment this movie starts, you see the grief that they're all sharing. You see the grief that they're all having to go through. And, uh, yeah, I thought Ryan Coogler's story was, uh, personal to him. You could tell that. And I thought it was, very very beautifully spoken and told to piggyback off what you said because i thought that summed up all of the beautiful emotion of the film and i completely agree with you i think there's even an added element to it with what happened right before that darkness of those five seconds was the marvel studios um Oh yeah, yeah. That came. That, that actually, or actually came, it came right after. Yes, it came yeah. right after um, Ramonda comes in and she says, she tells Shuri that uh, uh, your brother is with the ancestors and they both kind of break down together. And um, it freezes on a shot. It does, but uh, it's it's after they're both kind of crying together and it freezes on a shot and kind of fades out. And then all of a sudden you see what you were about to say. The, uh, the basically they took the mar the normal marvel thing that we'd have the big marvel fanfare they left it completely silent like eerily silent and just it was a tribute to all of the chadwick moments that we've seen and grown to love in the mcu so far it even had uh, little bits of the different scripts of like beautiful memorable lines from um the different you know things that he said like one of them was the thing that he talks to natasha about how um in their culture, it's more of a stepping off point versus, mm -hmm. you know, actually dying. And so beautiful stuff like that. And it goes to a purple Marvel Studios screen. And whew, that moment was haunting. It it also makes it bigger because I think like the only time we've ever seen them do any tribute 
Marvel as a whole was, of course, when Stan Lee died. Yes. And it's the only time they've tricked out that opening. And I, I think what really held it and made it was what you said first. I don't know if it's Ludwig's choice or if it was Ryan Coogler's choice to drop the music out and to make it a silent moment, which we've never had. We've always had that the, the music comes up and that's when you know the Marvel movie's about to start. You see those flashes of all the different, you know, Iron Man and Hulk and all that. But to just see Chadwick and we have that I felt like was closure for the fans, closure for the Marvel universe. Then we also had this personal closure in the film. The 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 sequencing with the going through you know Wakanda basically and seeing everyone in white. Yeah, I'm at, we actually got it out of out of order in our mind because uh, after the the Marvel Studios thing, it's the one year later. So yes. the funeral the funeral procession, what you're talking yeah. about, actually leads up to before yeah. our, the little Marvel Studios thing, um, and everything's in white, which we learned in the first movie that when uh, someone dies, that's that's their funeral procession. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a procession of life type thing. And the procession through the streets where everybody's playing the drums and dancing, um, it was beautiful and the music was amazing. And one of my favorite scenes was as they're going by, they, you know, there's the the mural of Chadwick up on with the, the two drummers with next the two to drummers, him. and the music slows down mm-hmm. as Shuri and Ramond are seeing this mural, and the, but as the music slows down, it distorts to like you feel their pain in this moment while everybody else is celebrating the life and you know while while they're sad of course they're they're also you know trying to show the joy that they feel for him and what he's done so it's a it, the music's kind of joyous the music's a little more, it's not solemn it's not a solemn moment but in that one moment you get to feel their both of their grief and their kind of uh uh and in some ways Shuri's anger through that moment and I thought that was really really awesome um and really really well done and uh, they get to the end of the procession, and they uh, do a little ceremony, all gathered around the coffin. Um, and the water, they pour out some water onto the ground. And uh, this is actually the ground that we're, where they'll plant the future heart-shaped herb mm-hmm. uh, by, by the end of the movie. And um, his coffin lifts up and goes into the uh, spaceship thing. I don't know what they call that, but the like Wakandan spaceship thing that they use. Um, but it flies up and, uh, everybody salutes it as it goes up. And that was a powerful moment. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. I like the way they, when they popped it forward, our viewpoint of the casket was of a risen Panther. Yes. Which I thought was was very symbolic. It was him standing, standing at attention almost. Yeah. Not, yeah. I thought that was a, not a not a very subtle choice, but like yeah, a, no. a good choice, and I like that. I, I I think you said it best at the very beginning. This is a movie that handles grief in the best of ways. So then we get the the Marvel montage that we just talked about, and we then open on um, Ramonda being invited into. I I think what's supposed to be seen is like the UN Security Council. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's invited in. She comes in. She sits down at the table. She says, we know what you whisper in your halls of leadership, that we have no leader anymore, uh, because the United States and the French government are trying to basically kind of shame them into saying, we're disappointed that you're not honoring King T'Challa's words of, you know, giving other countries vibranium and stuff like that. And they're like, no, we never said we'd give you vibranium. We said we would help you with technology and things like that, because we are, we know what you will do with it, basically. And uh, right at that moment... Um, kind of at the same time they're showing scenes of an infiltration of one of the Wakanda outreach centers that um, is 
kind of a setup that they know it's going to be um, they know it's going to be infiltrated so that the entire Dora Milaje is there. They handle that real easily because they're sick. Uh, and the Dora Milaje then walk uh, march in the what we learn are French kind of French militant soldiers and that France was trying to basically infiltrate their outreach center and steal their vibranium and they basically said here's what we will do and this is to take this as a sign of us um of our what's like almost like our mercy to get take this as a sign of our mercy and we will uh but just know that anything else will be seen as an act of aggression and Wakanda can protect themselves. It's a vast change from what T'Challa did by opening the communication between himself and mainly the Americans. I mean, the French weren't as involved in the original film, but this was more of just to give so the Americans don't look like they're the ones doing all the bad things. I think they needed another country to to accommodate that. And I I thought they handled that well. Um, It obviously leads to they are prepped and ready for any infiltration except for what we will witness very soon, which yes. is a power that they a are un, unknowing or they, they don't know about. And B uh, they shockingly are not capable of beating them. And we find that out. And that's a fascinating element. I didn't think we would see how powerful uh, this new entity is. And I like that. Um, and the next scene kind of leads us into that and sets us up. We get to a kind of, you know, tanker that's out in the mm-hmm. middle of the ocean and they've been drilling and they, the drill bit broke and it turns out that they sent down a machine that's the only one of its kind in the world. And it's a basically like a vibranium confirmer because the vibranium can't be detected by metal detectors. So it's kind of like a vibranium, um, yeah, a vibranium checking machine. It was, we come to find out, just to give the spoiler already, because yeah. it clarifies it, Riri was creating a metal uh, detector of non-metallic items, is what she was technically creating. She obviously created something that was able to find vibranium. That thing was stolen, from what we understand. It was, so she turned it in as a school project. And then and that her, professor. Her professor is Lake Bell, who winds up on, on this, yeah, who winds up out on this uh, tanker. And she's the one who's kind of putting this thing to use. There's vibranium down in the ocean. The only place we've ever known of vibranium being is Wakanda before this. So this is kind of a major revelation. And if they can find vibranium in the ocean and start harvesting it, they think, okay, well, this is, you know, it's not in Wakanda, so that doesn't violate any of our treaties with Wakanda. Perfect. And as we're down there, which underneath the water, super dark water is like my number one phobia and fear. It was and it terrifying. was very terrifying. Was terrifying. Um, we get taken out by the Talakans. Uh, Avatar? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Blue people. They're blue when they're out of water. That's what we yeah. learn is that they're when they're out of water, they turn blue because their skin is not being oxygenated by the water. That's They've the been turned to fish. Breathe. Yeah. And so uh, one of the cool things that I, I liked the whole sirens, like mm-hmm. from from mythology that they can like- From kind the of Odyssey, peek, yeah. Yeah, they can peek their heads out of water and kind of sing certain tunes or certain frequencies and it makes you just like lose your mind and start marching into the ocean and kill yourself. I thought that was super scary and awesome. Uh, so they kill a lot of people that way. Few of them put in earplugs, fortunately. <laughs> Lake and yeah. it is it is not only is she a professor, but we do find out later through Everett 
uh, Martin Freeman's character, she is part of his crew, his team. Yeah, she's worked she's worked as a military consult yeah. type deal. So we will see Lake Bell. Another great hiring, by the way. Lake Bell's a great actress. We will not see her <laughs> as she... <laughs> She dies literally seconds <laughs> she's later. Literally seconds later, she gets in a helicopter, and as the helicopter's flying away, we meet, as most people know, Namor. Um, that's how the Wakandans say it. As he he and the other uh, Talokan say it, not uh, Namor. Um, and uh, we meet him by him taking down a helicopter with basically his pinky finger and throwing it in the water and taking them out. Uh, that leads us to um, Shuri and Ramonda meeting Agent Ross. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Sorry. That me- leads to Shuri and Ramonda. Um, the sitting African on, yeah, sitting with on the a, elephants. They, yeah, they're sitting on a beach kind of by, you know, a river, a lake, or some connecting body to the ocean that comes into a Wakanda, the river, the river people. Ramonda is trying to have Shuri finally do what they were supposed to do in burn the cloaks yeah they're supposed to burn a year one later year, one year later they're supposed to burn the um ceremonial robes from t'challa's funeral it's supposed to be the end of the morning process in their culture and uh shuri kind of scoffs at it and says she's not ready to do this because if she burns this she will she won't stop with the cloak she'll burn the whole wor- world down that's how upset she is that her fa- that or not her father her brother was taken from her Right at this moment, uh, Namor comes out of the river, comes out of the water, and basically tells them, what right do you have to say that, uh, you know, to basically open the world up, that Vibranium exists and all this. He's like, you have put not only yourselves at risk, you've put us us at risk. And Ramonda's like, what are you talking about? We're the only place with Vibranium. And Shuri points out that he's literally covered in it. And we find that... Uh, Talokan is basically a vibranium city under underwater, an even older one. That's yes. the crazy part about it is there. Uh, visually, uh, Ruth Carter's great costume design u- utilized a lot of Mayan influence because these people these are costumes Mayans. For for everyone in this movie, were flawlessly incredible. Ruth Carter is an Oscar winner. She will get another Oscar for potentially one. for yeah. this. She, ha- I think, she has to with the way that she. It's amazing. The Talokans and the Wakandans, the entire movie. It was. She awesome. reinvented the look of the Black Panther with way, what we come to see is Shuri's version. Yeah. Um, with the gold. Uh, I liked. We'll get to why I liked that. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but yeah. So, uh, Namor drops off the machine. Conch. The machine, and he's basically like, oh, yeah. "Your job is to bring me this scientist who made this and." Uh, bring him to me alive, bring him to me dead, because I'm going to kill him. Anybody who can make this machine, we need to make sure they're gone. We cannot have people hunting for vibranium. That's Namor's goal. Um, he kind of sets that off very, very early, that he will protect his people, and the surface world should never know that they exist. The moment that they do, he's coming for everybody. That's kind of how he puts it. And what's amazing is... I mean, of the two of them, Ramonda is fearful of him. How did you get in here? How were you able to do this? And w- just by his attire, what Shuri was saying, he's, I mean, he, his entire getup is made of vibranium. Like, they've handled vibranium for longer. They, they're more knowledgeable of it, maybe even. So 
there's a huge fear factor that we've never seen a Wakandan go through at any point. I mean, T'Challa was not afraid of anyone when he fought them. If he came across this guy, I don't know if he would he would show fear. Yeah, it's uh, they set him up as a big bad from from the very very beginning, but it's very similar to you know the Thanoses and the Killmongers, where you understand you kind of understand their their reasoning, and it makes it where it's not a one dimensional character, and it's more of an anti hero versus a true villain. He's also not making the first step. The difference between those two and him is he's Absolutely. allowing the Wakandans to do his bidding if they will team up with him. He's not, yeah. he could easily just go and kill everyone at totally. this point. He has the army to do it. Totally. Um, so once he, once they have that device, Shuri and Ramonda go and, or sorry, not Shuri, Ramonda, um, Ramonda agrees to let o- uh, Okoye take Shuri to, you know, to America basically to go get this scientist. They meet up with Agent Ross, who we you know then see is going to be a player in this movie. Um, he feels like he owes everything to the Wakandans, obviously, because they saved him in the first movie. Um, he was going to die if they didn't take him to Wakanda and save him. And at that time, no one knew of Wakanda. So it was it was a big move. It was a big move by T'Challa to take him into the, um, you know, someone who's considered a, uh, you know, a CIA intelligence officer to take him into the country that no one knows exists. That's a big move. So he owes everything to them. He gives them information, basically pointing them right in the direction of Riri Williams. Uh, they go to MIT. Riri's there doing awesome things. She's nailing every single class she's in. She's doing homework for other people and making thousands of dollars while she's doing it, uh, programming stuff for people. She fixed trucks for uh, the sanitation department guy, so he lets her have this giant garage that would be a million dollars in Boston <laughs> uh, to work out of. But um, Basically, we get into a chase scene where the CIA are trying to get Riri Williams because they kind of know something's going on after all these people turned up dead in the ocean. Um, And we get into a giant chase scene where we learn that Riri Williams has her version of what Okoye or uh, Shuri calls Stark Tech, but she's basically made her own kind of like Iron Man-ish suit. Um, We learn that she calls, we're later going to learn that she calls herself Ironheart. And uh, kind of for, that's her whole getup is she can kind of create these cool things and she's an incredible engineer and builder, very similar to Tony. And uh, in this giant scene, we have all of them kind of get out. They, they have to make it across the bridge. That's what they keep saying. Once we make it across the bridge, we can lose them in the city type thing. So they try to make it across the bridge. And once they get to the bridge, that's when we have the top generals from uh, Talo Khan and from... Uh, uh, Nam- uh, Namor's army. We have Namora and Atuma. They and a few of the um, fellow Talokans, they introduce themselves to Okoye, Shuri, and Riri for the first times. And uh, Namora just immediately goes and kills all the humans that would be seen as uh, witnesses, takes them out immediately. Atuma and Okoye have an epic fight where Okoye gets pretty roughed up and Okoye gets kind of thrown off. She, she holds her own, but then gets gets knocked out into the ocean or knocked out into the water and at that t- time Shuri says you know you can't kill her take me and her to uh to your king and I'm the princess of Wakanda you know we can talk we can figure this out kind of thing a because she has her Trevor Noah <laughs> yeah is her, her, is her AI who helps her with the language uh, uh translation for 
you know, I, I don't think they were going to let them go until she started speaking their language. But also, it's important to notice the reason why the humans were killed is the humans think it's Wakanda doing all this. And so Everett and them, he thought it was them who did the Yeah, Lake he was Bell. like, wait, that wasn't you guys? So there's still very much this, you know, uh, hidden force that no one knows about except for Shuri and, and her mom. 100%. So... Shuri goes to Talokan. Uh, Shuri and Riri Williams get taken. They get kind of knocked out, if you will, and taken unconsciously to Talokan. They wake up in an underground kind of uh, cave. Um, Riri gets left kind of in you know the room, and uh, Shuri's offered you know a ceremonial robe basically, and she goes to talk to um, Namor. And this is where we kind of get Namor's entire backstory, which was awesome. Uh, his um, Mother was kind of in the uh, Mayans. Am I saying Mayans, it's yeah. Mayans? Yeah, in the Mayan times, and uh, you know the colonizers had come in and uh, smallpox, given smallpox and other diseases to the people. And so what they did um, was one of their shamans had a vision, and in you know kind of in, in the water there was a a, a blue plant and. Um, we later learned that it was kind of grown off vibranium, and so that's kind of how it had gotten its powers or whatever. And they take this and they make it, they you know, kind of extract, extract it into a into a punch, if you will. And uh, they a blue give, punch, yeah, like they, Star Wars. <laughs> exactly, they give everybody some blue blue punch, and uh, they all get super sick and pass out. And when they wake up, they're now blue and can no longer breathe air. Um, so they run to the water and they can basically breathe underwater and whenever they're underwater they turn back into like their normal skin color um that isn't blue because they're basically they're being oxygenated by the water that's kind of what we learned um she was already pregnant at this time so whenever she changed her dna she the the dn like her half of the dna and the baby changed but the other dna was still considered human and so we then get uh the word from namor that he is a mutant and he has uh, wings on his feet, and he has ears as he put po- that pointed toward the, uh, pointed towards the heavens, or pointed towards the st- stars, something like that. And we learn that, uh, yeah, he's he's the first mutant. It, th- that part's the important part to take from it. Obviously, is gonna. I mean, the big reveal is that that screams X Men. I think to everyone, and oh, yeah. I mean, that's what it means. But as far as it, it also helps with Winston Duke's character, talks about this later on. He is considered a god because he is a mutant to these people. What's fascinating about what the shaman was doing and what the shaman's rationale was was he was told by God to get this plant to jump in, and it was from the river God, and it's a water based god. So. If you're looking at it in some circumstance, the uh, river Kul- god Kukulkan. Tr- Kukulkan transformed these people into his river people. And who is Kukulkan's Jesus, if you will, it's, is the sun, Namor. Almost, yeah, it's almost like, um, for those of you that watched Moon Knight, it's yes. almost like he's the yes. avatar of yes. that god. Yeah, yeah, very kind of similar themes there. So, But even... It's not like as are we going to say Avatar. The blue people is going to confuse people, but um, <laughs> the he himself is his own entity. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. River God has not possessed this baby. Very this true. baby is something new to uh, the world. Yeah, totally. It's technically like you said, the first He's mutant. The first mutant, and so it's a it's a great 
twist from what we know from the comics, and it is a brilliant way for Marvel to bring in without having to jump on some of the old comics. So in the meantime, while uh, Namor is taking Shuri down, he, he then puts her in one of the suits that they killed the dudes in earlier and took off their dead bodies. <laughs> uh, he puts her in the suit and takes her down to Talokan. Um, at, the, at the same time, Ramonda is going to Hi- Haiti, and uh, she meets uh, Nakia, and this is the first time we see Nakia in the whole movie. Nakia has been doing outreach work in Haiti, basically running like an orphanage. Everything that they eat, they grow there, kind of one of those situations, and she's doing really, really cool work. That, at least that's what they make it seem, you know? She's doing really, really cool work there. So Ramonda comes by and basically says, I need you to come and find Shuri. I, you're the only one that I really trust. You've infiltrated countries before. She's considered the best spy that Wakanda has, but um, you know she's been away for a while because she hasn't really been able to cope with T'Challa's death. Uh, that's kind of how they've they, they put it. At first, I was a little bit apprehensive of why Ramonda was so nice to her. I mean, she left them. Is it's, I don't think she was banished. I think she she escaped from that lifestyle and chose to do something good. That's great. Uh, we come to find out there is another slight reason why maybe Ramonda was not as uh, apprehensive upset. or upset was because she knew a secret that we'd come to find out at the very end. Yeah, and we'll come back to that. But uh, I think Okoye also has another scene where she's talking to Nakia and she's like, you know, you left and we missed you and that it really hurt. And mm. Nakia was like, I wasn't ready to feel the finality of it. I couldn't come to the funeral and, and everything be done. Like she's like, cause to you guys, he was King. He was protector to me. He was everything. And so, um, you know, we, we know by the end of black Panther that they love each other in there, but I think we learned that between the end of black Panther and the beginning of this one, um, they, they, they had a life together. They loved each other. And it's, it's, it's more than just a, you know, love interest for one movie type situation. And it was separated from this whole notion of the Black Panther. This was yes. T'Challa and her, not the Black Panther. Yeah, 100%. So uh, Ramonda asks her to come and find Shuri. And using the AI and tracking kimono beads, they you know they find a, a place to start looking. And Nakia makes her way into the cave where Riri is waiting for Shuri and uh, um, Tanakhorta uh, Namor to you know basically come back from the underworld the under underwater world of Talokan um to come back to this cave and Shuri basically tells um Namor uh I as the princess cannot stand for you to kill this young young girl uh she even says keep me here just to prove to you that we will keep her in Wakanda we'll keep her safe let us take her she'll never get out and be able to do anything because we've seen that Riri wasn't trying to do anything malicious. She's just kind of caught up in the situation. And so he says, I'm sorry, I can't really stand for that. And so, uh, Letitia Wright, Shuri comes back into, uh, the same room as Riri. And right at that time, Nikki is there. Uh, Nikki uses kind of a sonic blaster to take out one of the people. Um, and it turns out that's a lethal hit. It kind of rips her up. Shuri's trying to help her. And Nikki is like, we have to get out of here now. Uh, they get out and Tanakhorta, uh, Namor comes in and sees that, you know, someone's been killed. One of his people has been killed and he takes this as an act of war. Uh, and from that moment on, things are kind of full throttle till the end of the movie. He does give them a week. I will give him later in the movie there. It's weird. 
he has a capability at any time of destroying Wakanda, which is a massive statement in itself. But it's unique that the fact that he allows them a week to kind of recover after that first initial, after the moment you're talking about, there is an initial, they they infiltrate Wakanda to prove the point that they can infiltrate, but they don't kill everyone. Yeah. It's almost just a statement of like, hey, we can get to you. The one thing that we forgot to even mention, that's how many scenes are in this, is after Okoye loses his Shuri, yes. Okoye comes back to basically kind of tell him, uh, I would like to take a group immediately. Um, we will find her, blah, blah, blah. And Ramonda straight up strips her of all of her rights as a, a Dora Milaje. She takes her generalship. She takes her off the Dora Milaje and basically downright scolds and almost embarrasses her in front of everyone else saying... Um, and uh, Okoye is like, I've lost everything. This, you know, I can't. This is, I'll lose everything. And Ramonda's like, Have I not lost everything? I've lost every person in my family. I'm now the king of the strongest country in the world, and I have no one left. How is that? And you just lost my other child. 100%. You. And so I think it was a very powerful moment. Okoye is kind of broken after that, uh, giving her kind of an, an, ups, an arc that you know we get to kind of see throughout the rest of the movie. Um, but Ramonda sets a, a very, very harsh stance right there and that sorry so then we get back to the moment where Namor now shows up at Wakanda and he shows up with his full force and they come in and they wreck everything they bomb a lot of the city with their water bombs they take out a lot of planes uh basically everybody's kind of left running um and he goes to, uh Namor goes straight to the basically throne room where Ramonda and Riri are hiding and he bombs that room with his water bombs. And, uh, as they're kind of, kind of, there's, you know, there's big old kind of cavities underneath the kind of glass floor. Uh, cause it's kind of built up on a mountain type thing. And as she's kind of falling down, she wakes up and sees Riri falling down and Ramonda's kind of lacked at last, uh, act of desperation is to save Riri. Um, which, you know, is a big moment. It's really, really cool. And she, that's kind of her way of kind of passing on to the next generation. She saves Riri. And in that moment, we see Shuri is completely done. She's done with all this. She's done with uh, all the life, uh, you know, all the loss of life in her ent- entire family. And it's really, really sad. I will say the scene between uh, Ramonda and and the whole council sequence uh if there's a a moment where marvel takes a step off of the technical awards at at an award show where they win visual or win costume or something like that and they have an acting award there's little doubt in my opinion angela bassett will be nominated she was incredible and that one scene was so powerful i felt chills i think the whole room was quiet i think that's the moment we were joking about earlier where i was leaning in to say something and And then i had to be quiet because you were like no because you knew what was coming yeah i was like because it shut down (laughs) it shut down that room it shut down every room that people get to watch it in i thought if there's an actress that deserves you know, a nod from this film. Oh, it's her for sure. Angela Bassett for supporting actress. I think something that needs to happen. Yeah. She was incredible. And that, like I, like you were saying that scene cinched it. Um, but 
So we've gotten to the point, Ramonda's dead. Uh, they bury her. We go through a very similar scene where Shuri is now Shuri's now queen, and she's wearing the white robes again. She's wearing the same white robe she just wore for Tatala that she should have burned, but she didn't. And she's now having to wear them again for her mother. Uh, her casket, It's almost like her not burning them caused it a little i think that's what we're meant to view it as it, like she and she all she kind of feels a little guilt about that too but then her uh ramonda's casket goes up in a very similar way and um we get a nice little moment with uh mbaku winston duke and shuri and he's basically saying you know what do you feel in your heart because they say that they should take everybody up to the jabari mountains just so they're away from the water in case namor comes back and uh shuri's like I think that's a good idea. And he said, you know, what's in your heart? And she goes, there's nothing left in my heart. Everything that was in my heart, all the hopes and dreams my mom had for me, they're gone. Don't tell me about them. She's gone. They're gone. And it's a very dark moment. It's fascinating. How does M'Baku, basically, he's telling her, like, you need to know what you're fighting for. Because who we're fighting now, they think he's a god. Yes. And not only that, but they will die for him. And if we kill him... Like what you're sounding like you're wanting to do, uh, they're not going to stop. And he almost admits that from the moment he got punched, I think it's a different character. And I love Winston's performance in this because he was hilarious, but he also has that amazing moment that you just talked about that really sums up the fact that even the powerful Mbaku is scared. To bring he he brings like a very grounded brevity to the situation. It makes an argument to say maybe we should just run. Yeah. Totally. And um, after that moment, Shuri kind of goes back into her lab. She throws herself into her work. And part of what she decides to try and do was see if there's a kind of wristband or like a piece of jewelry that Namor gave her as part of this ceremonial robe that was from his mother. And so uh, it was made from the plant that was, you know, the plant that they took all those years ago. So she she decides to take a piece of it and analyze it and see if there's any similarities between that and the heart-shaped herb. And after studying, you know, and kind of AI working its thing, you know, uh, she's able to... Thanks, Trevor Noah. Exactly. She's able to recreate the heart-shaped herb. Um, and Nakia is there with her at the time. And she, Nakia, and Riri uh, have uh, Shuri take the heart-shaped herb. And the new, you know, synthesized heart-shaped herb. And in the first Black Panther movie, we learned that when you take it, you go to the ancestral plane, you talk with the Black Panthers of old, and, uh, you know, you get to kind of ask them and learn how to be king, how to be protector, how to be ruler, how to be leader type thing. And Shuri gets taken to the exact place where her mother died. And she swims up, uh, she swims to the throne room, and when she gets out, she walks around and she looks in the chair. And I think a lot of us were kind of nervous. Like, did they put in like a fake T'Challa or like, you know, CGI face in or something? I was honestly nervous of that at the first time. And it's Killmonger. Mm -hmm. It's Michael B. Jordan. And the moment that we see that, it was this movie kind of took a twist and a turn that I'd not, I was not expecting to see him in that seat. I thought that we might see him at some point. Um, but I didn't expect him to be kind of like the the ancestor that she gets that she calls upon, and uh, it's kind of a subconscious moment, but it shows you her rage, and that entire moment, that entire sequence, he's looking at her and he says, "T'Challa was too noble, um, you know, your father was a crooked man. What kind of king? What kind of uh, king, queen, ruler are you going to be? Are you going to be the one who you know is 
too noble to do what needs to be done? Or are you going to be like me, the guy who gets, who gets, gets S done basically. And it, it, it's important to realize that he was, when he became black Panther, because it's important to understand that the, the reason why he is there is because he is one of them. It, yes. it very much rationalizes the theory that he is the last, you know, Shaka. you know, that it was there. So there's that, way of looking at it like it makes sense that he's in that chair even though i agree with you i think i hit you like six times when he popped on the screen i was like yeah what yeah totally um what what's magical about is what he says to her on top of that question about what she will choose is he makes her admit to the fact that she doesn't believe in any of this that's why he shows up none of the ancestors are going to show up because you don't believe in these things yeah but you know me and you're you know i'm real and I think that's why it had to have been him. And that's why it was so brilliant. It was like, oh, my God, for a non-believer to take that drink, this is the consequence. How does she change that? And we constantly get uh, uh, her being asked, what did you see? Uh, yeah, who did you see? Who did who you see? You? And, and she, she will never tell. admit because she knows it's a reflection on herself not believing in it. And she doesn't gain that belief maybe until the very end. And she also, um, another thing that's kind of fascinating about the Cole Killmonger thing is he even points out to her, he says, would you, before me, would this, would Wakanda ever have taken in Riri Williams, who he calls one of the, the lost, one of the lost souls or whatever, or lost ones, which that's who he references to, you know, basically anybody outside of Wakanda who's had to be oppressed. They're the lost souls that they could have been saved. And a reference to anyone prior to T'Challa, the noble one, yes, as being like as he said, crooked. Yeah. Black Panthers and his vision are not good guys. Yeah, and so he he points out. He says, before them, would Wakanda have ever protected this girl? He says, I know that they, you know, they killed my father, his own brother, just to protect Wakanda, not mm. to protect people. And so. It's a powerful moment. We come out of that, and Shuri is mad. She tells them that you know they didn't come to her because all she saw was him, and she was expecting to see her mom or her brother or her father, somebody. And we, she punches something. We see she has powers. It's kind of how they break it to us. Uh, she's obviously already got a suit because she's, you know, Shuri. She she's been making suits forever. She knows what to do. And I think it's interesting that when we get the suit. Uh, the gold, as you were talking about, I think that's a reference to her trying to say that she's right now being more like Killmonger than mm-hmm. she is being like T'Challa. Exactly. She's she's ready to come out with rage and with vengeance and with fury, and so she goes to you know the Jabari Mountains where there where all the Wakandans are held up. She drops in and she's basically like the protectors back. We're going after him. Uh, we're going to lure Namor out. Here's what we're going to do, and it's very angry and aggressive, and it's not. It's not kind of what we're expecting. Um, and basically their plan is to get this giant, awesome vibranium Wakanda ship out into the ocean, kind of draw out Namor. Then they have this sonic beam underwater that's going to force them all up to the top. And uh, Shuri and Riri figure out that if they can get a way to kind of dry him out, basically, if they can keep him in a, s- a situation where they keep kind of evaporating all the water off of him, that's how they can weaken him. And... So through some course of actions, they're kind of on this giant boat. They're fighting epic fight scenes. Dora Milaje are hanging off and you know spearing people, and uh, they get they basically get Namor inside the um, 
you know, Wakanda spaceship thing that they always use. And they've turned that into a chamber where they can, you know, suck all the moisture out. So they start drying him out. He starts getting really kind of dehydrated and everything. And Shuri's in there with him. And her goal is to dehydrate him enough that she can basically just kill him. Mm-hmm. She's ready to take him out. Uh, he wrecks the ship, stabs it, makes the whole thing explode. Um, she she sees that he's going to break the ship. So she's like, take us to the desert. They get close enough to the desert uh, that when it explodes, they kind of land on land and land in this desert situation. Uh, while that's happening, things are not going well on the Wakanda ship. Uh, the two new kind of, this was the only thing that I thought was kind of weird was the suits that they gave to Okoye and, um, oh, what was the other, uh, uh, Aneka, Okoye and Aneka. They were both, uh, the blue angels, the archangels or whatever. And they were in those kind of like new blue Iron Man suits that had dreads. You know what I'm talking about? They look kind of weird, but, um, they now have those suits to kind of fight and everything. And, but even at that time, we still get to the point where, they're basically about to lose. All the Wakandans have now been left on this ship. Their protector, the Black Panther, is nowhere to be found. She's over kind of off having her vengeance rage moment. And she and Namor kind of have an epic battle. She rips wings off his feet. He's taken a... He uh, ends up... like They fight. They counter each other. They're beating the mess out of each other. And he takes a spear and puts it right through her chest. Her stomach. Um as he's kind of walking back to the water, she breaks the spear off, pulls herself off the spear and closes her, you know, suit. So it's kind of somewhat holding her together and actively healing her. And, uh, then she kind of jumps in front of him and distracts him for a second and then turns on the broken, um, spaceship that's right behind him. And the, basically the giant flame, you know, I guess the, uh, like jet engine, that's what I call it. The giant jet engine out the back burns uh, Namor's back, so super dries him out, and uh, he ends up falling on the ground. She grabs the spear, holds it at his throat, and right when she's ready to kill him and take him out, that's when her mom finally appears to her. Mm-hmm. And her mom says one thing to her. She doesn't tell. She doesn't say any other words. We see Shuri go through all the moments in the entire movie, kind of reversing everything through her mind and seeing all the what kind of grief has caused and what grief leads to. And she sees all her interactions with her brother. Hundred percent. She goes through. Yeah, exactly. She goes back through all of her interactions with her brother and sees the peace, the peaceful interactions with her brother and how you know, that noble being a noble leader matters. And her mom says one thing to her and it's the same thing she said to T'Challa, um, in the fight with M'Baku in the first movie. And she just says, show, uh, show him who you are. And in that moment, she doesn't kill Namor. She spares him and says, if you, it's basically something like if you, promise to not go after Riri to let us take to let us keep Riri alive. We will keep your secrets and we will help protect Talokan. Um, and basically she's saying we stop this now and we, uh, we kind of view each other as equals type situation. I like his response. He gets up and says, if you mess this up, I'll kill you. Basically. He yeah. does not. He's just been defeated and he knows it. And he knows he's had a, a, a knife to his neck and the guy still gets up and is like, I'll kill you. Yeah. I, I love him for not being fearful in a moment where he was left for dead. So they both kind of fly back over to the ship and he announces that they're going back to Talokan and kind of showing that there's a peaceful treaty and a peace pack. And 
it's a good moment. Uh, so that kind of ends the conflict of the movie for now. Uh, to kind of wrap things up, we then see um, Namor. Uh, he goes back and he's now painting a new mural in you know the caves, and it's of him and the Black Panther fighting. Uh, Can you give the visual of it? It's a great visual. It's him with his head in the Black Panther's mouth. mouth. Totally. he's He has no... And he even says the Black Panther is the most powerful being on this planet. And he, he bows to to the yeah. power of the Black Panther. And he... But he also... Because uh, his general, Namora is really mad at him and is like, how could you, you know, side with them, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, the surface world is going to come for Wakanda's vibranium. Mm-hmm. The surface world will come for us and he goes and basically he says we're going to use Wakanda to our advantage that's kind of how he sets it up I think it's going to be the whole thing of it, they're going to be able to kind of do stuff and pin it on Wakanda yeah and they make it seem like he's going to allow the surface world to somehow get to the point where Wakanda is defeated um, we obviously know that I think in the long run he will do the right thing but right now at this moment it doesn't look that way and he, I think it's proving that the vibranium wars are coming. That's yes. one. That's one thing, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second. One character that we haven't even mentioned. I can't believe we haven't even brought her up. Is Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus as Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, who we now learn is um, acting director. Uh, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, and she has a purple. She's got the purple streak, and she basically is now, um, which is not. If that's not a reference to vibranium wars, I don't know what is. <laughs> And she's uh, she's now basically uh, Nick Fury's role. Um, so I'm. We also learned that she was Agent Ross's ex-wife at one mm-hmm. point. This whole time, Agent Ross has been helping him out. She's had the whole thing bugged. So Agent Ross, by the end of the movie, ends up in chains, and uh, it's entirely because of her because she's just been playing him like a fiddle, and she's she's very kind of sinister. And we're gonna get to see more of her in like Thunderbolts and stuff like that. And so uh, this movie definitely set up the Vibranium Wars, and she's going to be instrumental in that. She's going to be... She even mentions how she dreams of being the only country that has Vibranium, and it's very sinister. I love how much Martin Freeman plays scared to her. Yeah. (laughs) As in the ex-husband, it is such a great dynamic. He knows she's smarter than him, more powerful than him, and yet... There's nothing you can do about it. It's it's a fascinating back and forth between them. And funny funny little thing about uh, Nomura, the one that we were just talking about with um, being mad at you know Namor. She the actress who played her. They have to do so much stunts underwater. She could hold her breath the longest of all the cast. She could hold her breath underwater for over seven minutes. It's like Navy SEAL stuff. I know it's insane. And so she like they were all like bragging about her, and she's like trying to be sheepish about it. And they're like, no, don't do that. Like. Seven minutes, seven minutes. <laughs> and so like, I thought that was super cool um, that she like committed that hard for that role. Um, Can I say one thing about the, the great scene where Shuri gets stabbed in her stomach to takes yes. it out. So uh, the, the, the image I had in my mind, and this is going to sound really weird, but it's uh, from princess bride where <laughs> the six finger man finally gets our boy Indigo Montoya and yeah. stabs him. And Indigo Montoya is literally dying there. And he finally does the exact same thing. He unsheaths the sword from his belly and then gets up and defeats the man. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is that moment. This is Princess Bride. So I just, I kept thinking that and I was like, this is, I'm so proud of her. And then she doesn't kill him. And I was like, oh, you should have just, you should have just killed him. But it makes sense now. 
So, um, after we kind of get all those moments, things wrap up at Wakanda, you know, uh, it's, it's inferred that M'Baku is now the one left as leader of Wakanda. I think Shuri doesn't want to be the ruler. She wants to be the protector. She, she'll be the Black Panther. She'll handle that. But she wants there to be a, she wants there to be a king or queen on that seat that's worried about the day-to-day type thing. She doesn't want to mess with the council either. I don't yeah, know if she wants and to... I think, I think that's M'Baku's role now, and I really liked that. Um, and so Shuri says she has some stuff to do, and then we end the movie by seeing Shuri leave and go to Haiti. And Haiti, uh, you know, she's going to go and visit Nakia, kind of stay with her for you a while. You can say it the correct way. Haiti? There you go. That, is that the real way? I, I'm guessing there's some new pronunciation thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm going um, with it. Yeah. And uh, so they, she goes there and she's with Nakia and she says, I think I need to do this alone. And we see her walk down to the beach and the movie ends with um, Shuri putting the ceremonial robe on the fire. And when she does that, that's when we see her and her brother's scenes. We see all of the, all the scenes that she's had with her and her brother. And that's, that's the kind of last scene that we get. And what we get left with is her finally coming to terms with this grief that even though I've lost him, the impact he had on me, what he was for my life, I'll never forget. That's what will always carry with me. Even if I don't necessarily believe in the ancestors and the ancestral plane and that I'm going to go and see him, all that kind of stuff. She says the effect that he's had on me and what he's done for me in my life. That's what matters. And it's, and it's, it's a beautiful moment. It bookends beautifully. It starts with her giving a prayer. It Mm -hmm. ends with her doing the ritual, completing the finalization of, you know, the the, the cycle of grief, which is, I think really what Kugler was going at. And I, you know, I, I think it's important. Plus we end with, you know, the new black Panther, the, the crowning of her, but it's very important to what you just said. The, the what we get at the end after this, we then get you know credits. We got we got world credits, and uh, like most Marvel movies, they usually give us two post credit scenes: a mid credit one and an end credits. There was only a mid credit one with this. Um, Ryan Coogler made it clear that he wanted to leave us on a certain tone, and he felt if we did the end one, which is usually kind of a goofy one, yeah. that uh, that that's not what he wanted. And I can I respect that and. The mid-credit scene, we are we leave with Nakia walking uh, down to meet Shuri, and she has a, has a child with her, and we then learn that Nakia, this is Nakia's child, and his name is Toussaint, and as they get to talking, she, Shuri then finds out and uh, that this is T'Challa's son, and um, he's his, roughly five or six. He's roughly five or six, and that this is. Uh, she, uh, so he says, um, my, my, my Haitian name is Toussaint and she looks at him and she goes, who are you? Basically kind of the Ramonda thing of like, show, show me who you are type thing. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, my name is Prince, T- Prince T'Challa, uh, son of King T'Challa. And, um, the moment he says that you can see Shuri just kind of like take it all in and she gets a big smile on her face. Nakia says that she, we wanted him to grow away, uh, grow up away from the, the you know pressure of the throne and i i can kind of understand that because t'challa you could tell that the pressure of the throne always weighed on him and um i thought i thought that was a really kind of cool moment and it's a great way of there were a lot of people who said recast t'challa they didn't want that character to die in the mcu because it's important for the representation and you know you know having young african-american kids be able to see 
young black kids everywhere be able to see themselves in a superhero. And so I thought this was a beautiful way of honestly kind of getting the best of both worlds. We honored the legacy of Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, while at the same time, we're going to get another T'Challa. We're going to get a, you know, future Black Panther and a, you know, sweet little boy who somehow they casted two years before the corn kid and he sounds like the corn kid. And uh, I'm, I thought that they handled that so well and so beautifully that kind of everybody kind of gets what they want. You know, I made fun of the, the DC Universe's Black Adam earlier in comparison to this film. There's another DC movie that did something very similar to this moment in the end of their film when uh, this was a couple of Supermans ago, but as a reveal of Superman's child. Yeah. And that caused the Brandon a, Routh one. Yeah. And that caused a big problem because of obviously what was made in the comics there was that he couldn't have children. His, his, his sperm is a little more powerful than ours. So it wouldn't hold up in a human body was basically the argument. So to see something similar done like that, but done in a way that was a respectful B made sense and C, like you said, can still be seen down the road. And then on top of it, the other element you're talking about, the representation on screen, I thought it was done amazingly. And in, in comparison, it's not done for, I think, T'Challa. I think it was done for Chadwick. Yeah, And absolutely. I think that was something that separated that scene. I like that it was a mid scene. And I, I, I like that it was also something that we've seen s- similar scenes be done wrong because they're done for the wrong reasons. I don't think Ryan did that for Marvel. Absolutely. I think he did it for his friend. A hundred percent. And that was really cool. It was a really cool moment. And it th- that's how the movie ends is we get to see this beautiful little family of, uh, smiling, of happy. T'Challa, Nakia and Shuri smiling and talking, talking about Baba talking about uh. dad and it's beautiful. And, uh, yeah, I loved this movie. I've already seen it twice. Um, I'm going to see it many more times. I can't wait for it to come out on Disney Plus so I can watch it a million more times. But this was one of the most powerful. This was the most powerful Marvel movie as far as emotion, and uh, I loved it. And I, I really, I have nothing bad to say about it. You know, there have been moments I've cried. I think when Aunt May dies in every Spider-Man, yeah, movie, a little always. bit emotional or the uncle or something like that. But there there's, there's always moments in Marvel that I think can hit you in the right feels. This is the first film I think that stepped outside of a Marvel film feel and made something emotional that had so much more resonance and was so much more powerful than just another comic book. Like it felt like a really powerful, like this could have been, uh, in, in, I think regular emotional dramatic sequences and movies. I mean, that moment with Angela Bassett, where we talked about earlier that we think, that's an Oscar-worthy moment right there. I don't see that in any other Marvel movie. Not at all. And I've never seen that. And that nope. was fascinating because I don't think it was something that Kugler and them necessarily knew they had. But, man, the writing behind this, the, the, the way they bring it all together, Ruth Carter's incredible costumes, the production design by Hannah Bechler is also freaking fascinating and the the whole landscape the visual language of the film it's not showy with the fight sequence it makes sense even the water bombs are, are done really well none of the fight sequences are too flashy they're all believable even when uh when she like okoyo gets knocked off the bridge and stuff like even that stuff makes sense it's it's one of the smarter well done and of course emotionally driven marvel works and it, it i agree with you i think it's the one marvel film that stands above all rest yeah it's 
it's going to definitely crack my top three list for sure. And I, like I said, I can't wait to see, to watch it again and again and again. And, uh, man, this has been fun to sit down and kind of recap it and talk it and, and kind of go through scene by scene. And, um, you know, I want to thank you though, for not like the way we look at films. I think there are other people who watch these films and pick the weirdest. I've read reviews on this film that have not been positive. That are so dumb. And it, it, the the rationales behind those don't they, there's no measurement of it you're not you're not dictating why it's a a movie that doesn't work i think this works on more than just a marvel level or there are people that hate on it saying that you know this is a superhero movie so i don't see why they're trying to dive into all of this and this and this and this and it's like this movie wasn't made for you if you under, if you're not understanding where this is coming from if you're not understanding why this is important to Marvel fans to superhero fans to uh, fans of just like pure cinema to fans of Chadwick Boseman. If you can't understand the importance behind why they did what they did in this movie, I can't really help you. How do you cry for Iron Man then? Like, why do you care at Tony Stark at the end of that when they took him? I, like, I, I don't believe people who sit there and say that the emotion of this film is the wrong part of the film. I, I think it's the exact opposite. I think it's what makes it great. Or there are people who are saying that Marvel, that this is obviously just a cash grab by Marvel for grief, that like they're just using Chadwick Boseman's death as like a cash grab. And if you go and watch this movie, that's not at all what I thought. That, like I said from the very beginning, by putting his death as something that happens at the beginning that happens in a natural way, and then it's not, you know, who done it, who killed. We we're trying to find out who killed Black Panther this whole time. Like that, that would have been a trope where they're trying to use his death in a way to exploit us as audience members. That wasn't this. This was a, this was literally Ryan Coogler writing a memor a, a memoriam to his friend where he shows grief and he shows, uh, and he shows the entire, uh, process of grief and takes every single character through it right in front of your eyes in a different way that feels heartfelt and believable to their individual character. If the Marvel universe had tried to do something where Chadwick Boseman was a, uh, a CGI character version, that would have been a travesty. 100%. That would have been disrespect to what Chadwick did with this role, what he did with his own career, and obviously what he was able to build with Ryan, because I think him and Ryan came up very, It's him and Michael B. Jordan as well, they're close as, as thick as these because they've come up together. 100%. Um, I, I think there's another part of it too that the the strength of women in this film needs to be talked about, not just in front of the screen, like we've got Letitia and, and of course, Angela Bassett and all these amazing Dominic women. Dominic Thorne. I mean, Dan, uh, Denai Gura. Yeah, who's uh, Walking Dead, and mm -hmm. oh, man, God, she's such a warrior. She's so good. Um, but behind the scenes, I just mentioned the production designer, uh, Ruth Carter, the costume designer, like the DP on this autumn is an, an amazing uh, DP. That's a female group. And and Ryan, Ryan's been doing this his whole career. His first DP uh, was also a woman and, and the first woman to ever been nominated uh, as a cinematographer. Ryan Coogler's making difference in this industry uh, when other people aren't. So when people call out his film saying he's not doing enough for it, they're not watching the same film we watch because what I saw was one of the easily best films of the year outside of a Marvel universe and easily one of the best ways of showing grief I've ever seen on screen. I believed every moment of it. hundred percent. I think, I think we absolutely agree. Um, this has been a fun one. Uh, it, it 
hits a, in a lot of places close to home for a lot of people because of, like I said, everybody's lost somebody close to them. Everybody's lost somebody for reasons that just never make sense. And like, I, th- I thought it was beautiful the way, the way they handled all this. And so, um, you know, I think, I think we'll let it wrap there. We've talked, this one, this might be our longest pod at this point. We've rambled quite a bit. So I think, uh, I think we'll let it stop there. And, um, if you've held on this long with us, we appreciate you for listening. And, uh, as always, make sure to, uh, follow us on Instagram at known the number two ramble and, uh, on Twitter at K the number two, our pod. Um, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we're planning on being back every week for you this